On January 1st, 2024, the very first veterinary client-patient relationship was established virtually. But is this really a big deal or will AI swoop in and change it all this week on The Veterinary Viewfinder? Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine and the future of AI, telemedicine, and workforce shortages are all topics that are tough to tackle. Well, we think here on the Viewfinder, and we being me and Becky, (laughs) believe that there might be a dark horse in the race of AI intersecting, overtaking telemedicine, and what impacts will that have on the veterinary profession? But before we start talking about the profession and impacts in telemedicine, artificial intelligence, and all that stuff, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, before we get started, Happy New Year. How are you Happy doing? Happy New Year. <laughs> are, are, you, are you mobile yet? I am not, but that's okay. Uh, we're, we're bringing in 2024 and ready for big adventures. Oh, gosh. I, I know, Becky. I'm so sorry. I know this was not the holiday season that you had planned, but viewfinders, if you're just getting caught up, you know, Becky was in a, in a terrific, horrific accident a few months back. Uh, she is on the road to recovery, but let's just say, you know, it's, it's a long one. And Becky, again, you know, we're thinking of you and I know there's a lot of people out there pulling for you and we're going to miss you at VMX and Western and all those places we're accustomed to seeing you. Yeah, I definitely cannot wait to get back on my feet to see everybody to get all caught up. And, uh, you know, I know that at some point in 2024, that will that's going to happen. So I, yeah. I get to see everybody at some point. Well, yeah, I know, Becky. Well, (laughs) let's get back to today's topic because, you know, viewfinders, this is one of those conversations we're going to have with you guys that I predict five years from the future, people are going to be saying, hey, wait, did somebody talk about that a long time ago? And what we want to talk about is uh, how things just changed in California on January 1st at midnight when AirVet proclaimed to do the very first establishing of the veterinary client-patient relationship virtually. And so that's great news. And I think it's uh, it's definitely a benefit. But Becky, you and I, you know, kind of believe that there's something else lurking that's going to probably overtake telemedicine shortly. Maybe give them a brief little rundown of, of what you and I are kind of thinking about. I just think it's funny because when we think about, you know, how long we've been doing this podcast and we're in our seventh year and we truly have seen change. I mean, but we've been talking about telehealth since probably our first year. I'm sure mm-hmm. our first episodes are are out there about that. And, you know, when we were talking this morning and when I was looking at 2024, what's up and coming? What's new this year? What are we really going to see? I have this sneaking suspicion that we're going to find ourselves in an interesting spot because AI is becoming kind of the talk of everything. It's becoming, uh, you know, we we didn't talk about it but out of social support, but at the end of 2023, AI played a huge role in, you know, the actors and the writers and everyone who's involved in, you know, television and movie making because right. it's looking to take over their jobs. Right. And here we are entering this time where we are just now, so many years behind human health, establishing VCPR via telehealth. And there are already these AI apps and AI means that are doing diagnosing, that are doing literal examinations, that I feel like we're going to find ourselves in a little bit of a time gap, jump, space, 
issue where (laughs) we can barely get ourselves in front of telehealth and AI is coming right behind it. And and I really think it's going to pass it. Yeah. And viewfinders, just for a little bit of context, I'd like to give you the analogy that I've been sharing with my colleagues over the past year as I've discussed this concept around. And and, and it goes like this. It's like um, the Western world, primarily North America and of course Europe, we were a bit caught off guard and really behind some of the ways people implemented cellular technologies in like Africa and South America. And the reason was because we had built an infrastructure dependent on landlines and all of these other processes and systems that went along with telephones. In fact, even the development of the companies that controlled it, if you remember the bells and the breakup of the bells and all that, there were monopolies that were developed, you know, turn of the century and early, you know, uh, 20th century that actually sort of slowed down or maybe changed the way it rolled out and progressed. And then suddenly you leap forward into the late 90s and cell technology and satellite phones hit Africa and uh, South America, and they just leapfrog us. And suddenly now these people are, are transmitting money much quicker than we were doing in the United States and in Europe. So I think what's going to happen is the fact that in veterinary medicine, we got, we're so delayed in bringing out telemedicine that now it's coinciding with artificial intelligence capabilities. And what I see is going to happen is that over the next couple of years, everything that veterinarians and veterinary technicians are doing over the video chat, if you will, is going to be replaced by AI. So I think this leapfrogging in technology, and see, this is where we catch up, I think, Becky, with human medicine, because you alluded to it earlier. They're looking at vet med, and they're going, hey, we can use this technology and maybe even get it to market faster than in the human health care realm because of all the you know laws and jurisdictions around that. And Becky, I think what you're going to see over the next couple of years are a whole host of apps and cloud-based software where you can literally take a video of your dog or cat and get some very interesting information. What do you think? I am, I mean, 100%, I think it's what's going to happen, possibly, or it's going to be available. But I think we're going to end up in this huge mess where there's been so much resistance to telemedicine and there's been so much resistance to the BCPR and the importance of establishing that relationship with, which, you know, as much as I hate to say it, it truly is just sounds like this big, it sounds like a power move. Like you have to establish this BCPR. It's like, it's not rocket science, you know, when there are certain things that are super easy and we're already doing it. I mean, all we already have, um, you know, blood analyzers. We have urine analyzers. We even have our um, snap test analyzers that are are using artificial right. intelligence to right. quote unquote more accurately pick up a presence of X, Y, or Z. Now, I think anybody out there who's using these tools says that, you know, sometimes they're wonky, sometimes they're unreliable, sure, sometimes they're sure. inconsistent. That's what AI is right now, but it's not going to take long for it to be all of those things. And again, that's what they're working on. That's what they're doing. And if you guys think that that's not what's happening with the blood samples you're sending out to the lab, (laughs) you're crazy. And And how much more quickly are they processing these samples and how much more quickly are we able to get our results back because of this AI technology? And then we get into the thing where we want to pick and choose what works best for us, right? So we love this technology when it comes to less manpower getting things done faster, getting results faster, but we don't want it to infringe on our quote-unquote medicine, on our patients, and certainly not our money. But it's right where it's headed. And we're not... And again, my my concern for our profession, if we're not on the lookout for this, how we can be involved in this, how we can get in front of this is it's, it's going to get in front of us. And it's 
our patients are, you know, we, Dr. Google, we laugh. Oh, Dr. Google, you guys, it is as accurate as any one of us is in just guessing what's going on with our patients over the phone. It is a matter of informing our clients. It's not a matter of stealing them. It's just they, we have these clients in this, this whole generation that wants to be informed. And this same generation is now going to become dependent on AI and already is leaning that direction. If we don't start to incorporate it, then, you know, we're going to be left behind. And this already happens. Like think how many chatbot customer service, you know, there are that give you directed answers are not a live person, but you, you say a keyword and it directs that conversation on and on and on. And you're going to be able to do that for your appointment setting. You're going to be able to do that for your callbacks, your check-ins. And this is what people are going to want to interface more with. Like, you think people don't like to interact face-to-face now. (laughs) Give it 10 years of AI technology and we're going to be like, oh, I'm totally overstimulated by voices. Yeah. And and I'll tell you too, you know, Becky, number one, there have been several high-profile sort of case studies uh, that have been published out there. And you probably have, many of you viewfinders have seen these in the news where they've like actually given a patient's records and physical exam findings and all that stuff and and lab reports. And they actually, you know, the, the AI did a better job of giving differentials than the human doctor. And Becky, one of the things I think it's, it's interesting to note is that every time when people say, oh yeah, but you never know, like, you know, the, the AI is going to hallucinate and create, you know, whatever. And that's all true. And they say, well, you know, that, that you know, like for some reason they think that just going to any vet is going to be like omniscient, you know, and I'm like, wait, there's some wonky vets and vet techs out there, Becky, no offense to anybody, but you know, your, your results may vary. So I think that we're still in that learning phase where, you know, I, I, I foresee in the, in the very near future, of course, where AI is able to surpass us. And, you know, Becky, this reminds me in the year 2000, actually it was the end of 1999, uh, Hills put together this big symposium and they brought a bunch of us to to speak to a bunch of, you know, key vets and industry leaders around the country. And I, I was honored to, to be a part of this. And I remember during my presentation, I mentioned the fact that um, there's only one doctor in the Star Trek Enterprise. It's a massive space vehicle. They travel through the outer reaches of space, right? And they've got bones. They've got one person. And Becky, how were they able to accomplish that? And I remember talking about this and saying, you know, how much more efficient we were going to be with augmented intelligence. That's kind of one of the terms we use back in the day. And and Becky, the reason that bones could tra- treat everybody in the Star Trek world uh, or the ship is because, you know, he had robotics and AI and all kind of automated systems. And that's really, you know, I know that sounds Star Trek, but guys, we're like a decade away from that actually, you know, happening. Yeah, I mean, but it's, I was going to say, right. And like the, the, a decade goes so fast, so we're seven years into this. And I, I even just think about the technology that we see in human medicine, you know, now we have these manual um compression resuscitators mm. that do manual right, compression right. Ten, a gajillion times better and more consistent than humans and, and free up human hands. Um, I mean, there it's, it's, it's getting churned out. The healthcare industry, number one is, is so profitable, right? Like we're just looking for everything we can to fix everything we can. And then number two, with less regulation and a huge demand, the pet industry is coming right behind it. And again, yeah, it's these same point. folks that are, 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 one, pet owners. See, that's the other thing we have to remember is that all of these folks who are involved on the human side, so many of them own pets. And then when they get to their veterinarian or their veterinary clinic and they realize that the technology and the information and the diagnostic systems are centuries behind, 
that might be an exaggeration, but they are so far behind that they start, their wheels are turning and they're like, there's no reason that this just can't be translated over here. And that goes to the higher level. So many of our pharmaceutical companies, our, our lab organizations, so much of on the higher level, when you trace everything back up to the top, because everything goes right to the top, they are one entity. And so the distribution of this model is going to happen so rapid. Yeah. And we, and we, have a tendency to lean toward the negative and say, oh, you're not using your brain anymore and it's going to just take over. And like you said, it hallucinates and it it causes this crazy thing. Like, well, Bones was still on the ship, right? <laughs> right. Like there's still that's, that's right. some kind of exactly behind it, but it minimizes it so much. And when we're facing this shortage and we're facing, you know, not enough hands in the industry and not enough of what we need, I, I think that this is going to become a real a contender. Yeah. And again, you know, getting back to the Star Trek analogy, guys, I mean, the reason that I bring that out is one of efficiency. So, you know, 23 or 24 years ago when we were doing this conference, I was really leaning into, at that time, we were also in a tight job market. And I was saying, you know, these are ways that we're going to leverage and create efficiencies in, in the workforce. And so that was just, the, you know, we weren't really thinking they were going to do the diagnosis. But when you extrapolate it and move it forward 25 years or so, you know, Becky, I mean, this stuff now is here. And and I, I, I feel strongly about this. Now, before you guys turn off the podcast and never listen again, you know, we're not saying it puts everybody out of business. In fact, this takes decades to actually make that kind of change. But what it will do is, you know, this emergence of what we're calling now super intelligence, which is, you know, augmenting ourselves. That's where the real value, we're going to do better, you know? And I, I don't I don't see this whole scale, you know, firing and replacing and doing away with uh, really of many industries. I think some manual labor jobs are, are probably at risk. But, you know, Becky, things that require intelligence and thought and and really, you know, let's face it, a hands-on care, you know, we're, we're a long way from away from, I think, them doing a lot of surgeries autonomously, right? I think that they can be assisted and they can make it better. But, you know, I still think that there's an important role to play for humans. And again, like you said, that's why they've got, you know, bones on on Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I certainly hope so. And I, and I do think that is always going to be a part of it. But again, it's going to be a matter of incorporating it. It's going to be a matter of how does it exist together um, what does it look like and how does it make accessibility? And that is such an important part of our job, right? Is the accessibility of, of veterinary medicine um, across the board and affordability. But, you know, how does it make it better? How can we supplement? And and I think it's, you know, the we automation of prescription ordering systems and things like that are already kind of coming around that we are using them they're just going to get smarter. They're just going to get better. They're just going to get more involved. And it, it helps us to go through a lot of screening. You know, I think about how much time we spend and how many times I've said to folks like, you know, have you ever considered putting online or, or automating your check-in and all of those questions and everything that takes time in the beginning of the appointment and the, the forms that they're filling out while they're holding their dog. And it's like, People are either completely on board with it or have it hasn't right. even crossed their mind. Right. And I think that's the really interesting part is it's like we have like these really advanced practices and clinics that are like, oh yeah, we're doing that. We're optimizing everything. And there's others that are like, huh, brilliant. And I think those are the people we're really talking to because I'm like, those are the ones that get bowled over. Those are the ones that do get run out of business because, you know, again, people are looking for this. They see this as technology. They see this as advancement. You know, I want to go into having just had many surgeries recently, can tell you personally, I want to see technology. I want things to look beyond what I could ever comprehend 
because I make an automatic assumption assumption that I'm going to get the best care, the best surgery, because everything looks really advanced. Like if I had gotten rolled into an operating room that had like bone saws and chisels out and things that looked <laughs> real, <laughs> you know, medieval, yeah. yeah, there's no lasers around. I'm going to be like, hold up, let me check with my insurance provider. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, I just feel like we're so many of these things we miss out on the opportunity and it, it could streamline our care. It can get some pre-information from our clients before we actually talk to them and, and get better information. It can make callbacks easier and check-ins easier. You know, I was reading, I can't remember some something not too long ago that was talking about how like 3% or some crazy low number of their follow-up calls actually got answered or returned. Yeah, yeah. And were they even valuable or was it a waste of their assistant's time or their technician's time doing these callbacks? And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a spot where AI and technology can completely take over. This should be a text message that says, hey, how are you feeling? Like, preset, no problem. Oh, Press and I'll go. I'll, I'll go you one further, Becky. And, and again, you know, this is, I'm, I am working with a company that's doing this. Send a video and let us tell you if yeah. your dog or cat is in pain or if it's suffering or whatever. I mean, like, guys, that's where we're headed. And, you know, and, and Becky, I love what you said just a second ago, because you're right. When we see profound changes in, in front of us, we do tend to get polarized. And there's the people that say, oh, my gosh, this is the end of the world. It's going to destroy. It's going to take. It's going to be negative. And then there's others that are like, how do I co-op this? How do I make this work for me? Like, how can this make me do a better job for my patients? And I think, you know, I've been lucky to to have kind of had that mindset uh, my entire career. And this is one of those areas that I see. But I do want to go back, Becky, to the first, you know, what we're talking about today, and that is the intersection and overtaking potentially of AI versus telemedicine. And Becky, I think that, like you mentioned, we've we really drug our heels on this, and we still are. I mean, we California is the first, and maybe there'll be more to come. And that, that's what we think is going to happen. You know, obviously, it's state by state legislatively. But imagine now, you know, if you suddenly have this other technology that can completely automate it. I mean, and not that it won't have the same jurisdictional issues and challenges, but Becky, I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of pet parents and a lot of human medical patients would prefer to do something that, you know, has infinite resources of, you know, every medical paper ever published, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if you had the option to have a vet or a vet tech call you back or to you start it off with an AI? You know what I'm saying? I, I think that people are going to be very interested in that AI option. Well, I, I, yes, I don't even, I think though that the option part isn't going to be there. It's just be part of the process, mm -hmm. you know, Hey, exactly, message exactly. here to start this. Send the video. AI sends a cue that's like, hey, you need to look at this or not. Right. And then, and again, it's it's so similar to teletriage where it's not a matter of saying you do or don't need to go. It's a matter of when, right? And I think that that's, and I'm not going to lie to you. Like I think about AI for gate examination and like, I know I watch veterinary professionals. I teach veterinary professionals gait assessment is not an easy thing to do. And so frequently it's hard, especially if there's multi-limb um, deficiencies to kind of really tell where they're coming from. And then on all the species across the board, imagine being able to run equines. Like we're talking small animals, but there's such a, a, a bigger implication for this of being able to just to do herd health, to do pack health, to do large numbers of examinations and, and um, baselines. 
over time. And then, like you said, having this be part of just the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. From and, the beginning. And, 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 and Becky, I mean, this is not news viewfinders. We're not naive. I mean, there's several companies that have been doing this for the past few years. Uh, we just think that it's a groundswell now. I mean, you know, there, there have been several companies that are using AI assisted telemedicine and I think it's great. And in fact, you know, I think we interviewed one of those early several years ago. And, and I think what they're doing is phenomenal at the time it was still a bit clunky, right? And wonky, as you mentioned, Becky, because it was still getting its its footing, if you will, from a learning uh, standpoint. But Becky, this is happening. It's exponential rate. You know, we often talk about how fast things are changing, you know, and we're thinking like in a decade, it'll be different. But you're right when you said earlier, this is happening so much faster because exponential change. And, and really what's happening now, guys, is machine learning is quickly coming online. That means that the machine teaches itself how to solve the problem that you ask it to solve, right? And that just... That just makes things <laughs> much more efficient and faster. You know, Becky, there's several programs now that are that are um, using AI to make apps. So literally, you say, "I want an app that does this, 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 and this," and it does the code. Now that's remarkable, right? So imagine as we start to scale this up, Becky. I mean, this happens quickly. So I'm with you. I think what's going to happen is we're going to see this triage, this AI-assisted telemedicine stuff, whatever, whatever terminology we're going to settle on. But Becky, I think that'll be the the gatekeeper, and it'll triage this way or that way, and you know, probably give you a good idea. And so again, just think of how many, how much more efficient that is. How many more of those pets you can see? Imagine if you don't get just a rando call and you're a vet tech on doing some telemedicine hustle on the side, you know, Becky, but what if it says, hey, based on the assessment of the video and the audio and the whatever, you know, we're already thinking one, two, three, four, five, and and let you take it from there. And that'd be amazing. That's right. Well, think about our, I think about our emergency room clinics and and how you can take a video of your pet or take a picture and enter your symptoms. And we could have a tele, we could have a triage board automatically updating itself as to who needs to be seen and when and what's happening. We, we could have the information before they even arrive at the clinic. I mean, there is, right, right. there's so much possibility. It's exciting. But I think the important part for our listeners, the important part of this conversation is staying in front of it, listening, having an ear to the ground, watching for these apps, knowing before your clients come in and ask you about them, what exists out there, what's worth your time, what's not worth your time, because they're going to be looking to you for that direction. And as we say about so many other things is if you don't have that information, if you're naive about it, I mean, you can absolutely say, I'm not sure. Let me check into that. Let me call you back and be consistent. But if you just kind of give them like, I don't know, I really think uh, when we think about our client-patient relationships, this is what we need to be thinking about, right? Not the ability to understand over the phone if a pet can get eardrops or some crazy thing that, you know, when we're really putting this much concern about our, our veterinary client patient relationship, you need to be really thinking about how you are perceived by your clients based on technology, based on understanding, based on advancement, because they're looking for it in their own care. They're going to be looking for it in their pet care. And I think that when we lose clients over this, you're not going to lose them because of the technology. You're going to lose them because of the ignorance. Exactly. Well, guys, I want to kind of end today's conversation by just dropping one more little bit of controversy. You know, I was uh, my, my last bit of work with AVMA before they threw me out uh, on the street was I was on the telemedicine committee, right? So we were tasked, and this was what, maybe Becky, around 2015, 16, 17, somewhere around there. It was a while back. And we were tasked with sort of coming up with those initial guidelines from the AVMA. Uh, and, and 
I'll tell you the reason that, you know, I, most of my opinions were in the, uh, um, the, the, um, objections because we, I didn't think we did what we should have done. Um, but one of the objections and concerns I raised back then was how do we address the future of automated services, right? I said, so who would be liable? Like, let's say an owner just uses chat GPT and somehow acts on, on it, right? Does something somehow gets medications or does a procedure or ignores something, whatever it might be, right? Like who's liable then? And I remember at that time being kind of roundly dismissed as saying that's you know that's ridiculous that'll never happen and of course it's happening so the last thing i want to leave with the viewfinders becky is the fact that let's say right now that you're a company out there and you're frustrated you can't get your dog or cat into the vet and you can't get the information that you want and the timely fashion that you want and the details or whatever what's to prevent them from just creating this type of service um and doing it right who's liable I mean, it's an AI. Really? You're going to take their license? How are you going to do that? The other thing is people are saying, well, the big barrier is prescription drugs. And I get that. But there's also a lot of other advice, good and bad, that can be gleaned from an AI. So, Becky, I mean, you know, I think that I think that we've got to really look at this in, in a critical fashion. Not, critical not being negative, but, you know, actually a thorough anal- analysis. Does that make sense to you, Becky? Like, you know, I see a lot of... Asking questions, yeah. yeah. I see a lot of potential here that could go the the opposite way. And, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody recently. I'm, I'm, I am, you know, and guys in transparency, I'm working, trying to get a, um, an academic study about using AI for a particular thing. And you guys uh, that know me have probably heard some of the stuff I'm, I'm working on out there, but regardless, you know, I, my whole thing is to say, I want to do this right. And the reason I want to do it right is not just to get the science right and get the machine learning and the AI right, but also I want our first foray into this next world of AI to be a positive one. You get what I'm saying, Becky? Like if we go throw a bunch of junk out there, especially under the banner of veterinary guided, then, you know, we may sour it for 10 years, right? People may say, oh, I tried that. It was, it was garbage. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. And it, it, well, hundred percent. And like, there's a lot of things that are, you know, I guess like I think about the first couple cell phones and a lot of them were garbage. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. And I had a Palm Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And so, you know, a lot of new technology is garbage, but that's kind of where everything sort of comes from is garbage, right? Like that's what we build on. And so um, I think laughing it off, scoffing it off is is going to be a, a detriment um, again, one, because you could be missing out on the opportunity to do great patient care. And I think that's what we have to think about is like your ego can't be better or bigger than your ability to do good medicine. And so if AI presents an opportunity to do great medicine, then that's what we have to look at. That's what we have to entertain because we have that obligation to our patients. But to be a part of it and to to be able to work with it and not against it, I think is going to be really essential. And then again, for for those of us and 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 the individuals and professionals that are out there working on you know fighting these things or or figuring out how to involve these things i mean you really have to look at your timeline here and and just make sure that you're not so hyper focused on what's happening right now in front of you that like i said you're bypassed by these other technologies you've made huge investments or changes or accommodations for a technology that is basically going to really need to be enhanced and solid for what's coming for the future. Um, and I think when we think about it from a how can this best serve my patient standpoint and not 
what does this mean for my bottom line? And what does this mean for this and that and the other? Like, how can we really incorporate it into good patient care? We're meeting a responsibility and optimizing an opportunity. But I, I just think this is one that we're really going to have to keep our eye on because it's going to move very fast and there's going to be a lot of junk. There's going to be a lot of garbage. And then all of a sudden, we're going to get it right. Right. And one of the ways that they're getting it right on the human side right now are with drug interactions. I can just tell you firsthand, one of my daughters uh, was prescribed a new medication a few months ago, and she gets it through one of the large pharmacy retailers. I mean, you guys know the names. And um, it was flagged. Right. I mean, the, the pharmacist doesn't know every medication that, that every patient is on and they don't even know all the interactions. And so basically the doctor also wasn't really aware apparently of this potential interaction. And so pr prescribed a drug and it was flagged at the pharmacist. And the pharmacist then contacted my daughter and said, hey, we've got a hold on your prescription. We have to contact your provider. And Becky turned out, you know, the, 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 her physician said, oh my gosh, sorry. And they switched to something else that was safer. I mean, that is, that is a simple application of AI that is probably going to have, you know, instantaneous profound effects throughout medical you know, practice. Well, I would argue it already had instantaneous profound yeah, effects yeah. by having a lack of effect. You know, I right, have a friend right. who lost his brother years ago to a medical overdose in which two drugs interacted and his heart stopped wow. and they just didn't catch it. And so that, oh my gosh, I'm sorry from your doctor could have been at your daughter's funeral. It could have been right. over your daughter's hospital bed. Like that kind of thing is like what we, what we don't see are the effects that happen because something's caught that doesn't happen, right? And so then you just don't even realize it. It's not going to get out there in the world because it didn't happen. But it's it's a perfect example of the benefit of this. It's a perfect example of the the fact of the matter is is we are imperfect humans. We will always be imperfect humans. We will continue to be imperfect humans. And AI will probably never be perfect, perfect. But it has a lot more potential than we ever will um, to be perfect and to not get clouded by every other factor, right? And so that's the difference is. AI doesn't get tired. It doesn't get hungry. It doesn't experience decision fatigue. It doesn't fight with its wife before it comes to work. <laughs> right, it right. shows up its very best every time. It's doing its very best every time. And that, unfortunately, we can't say for ourselves. And um, I think that's a perfect example, which you just gave about your daughter is a perfect... Even when I laid in the hospital for three weeks, there was times they'd come in to give me the meds and be like, oh, the, oh, the computer says you can't have it because it'll poison your liver. It's too much too soon. Wow. And you're like, oh... Hey, I'm really glad the computer's on point because <laughs> the prescribing factor is so mindless, right? Because the right. process has to be because it's, she gets this and she gets it this often and she gets it like this. And it's not for the nurses to decide if it's that day or time or not. It's for that prescription. Well, when you start to run those things out over a course of three weeks, it makes a difference, right? So I think that the thing we have to understand is that it, what it brings for us is as close to perfection and as few of intervening factors as humans will ever have and uh, an optimization. And again, that's where I mean better patient care, best patient care. Um, and there's so many things we already love that are automated, right? Like we love, oh, you don't even have to think about this. Oh, it does this for you. And we embrace that so much. And then we get this like notion of AI being terrible and dangerous and taking away. And then we like block it out. 
And um, I think the language around telehealth and the language around AI are going to be very similar as they proceed through our profession. Wow, I love this. And viewfinders, we love this conversation. It's a great way to kick off 2024. Uh, I like forward thinking. You know, I like trying to trying to you know predict what's going to happen. I think this is something we'd like to hear how you think uh, AI and telemedicine will sort of intersect, and will they merge together as we hope they do, or will one compete with the other? And what, what will happen to the whole profession? We love to hear your thoughts. And Becky, while you're convalescing, how can they share those thoughts with you? <laughs> <laughs> Please come share all your thoughts over at Facebook uh, or Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. You guys can always shoot an email over to veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right, guys. And we wish you a happy new year. And we hope that technology is going to make your life better. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.